As I was going through the week, God started to give me the last tool to breaking fear in your life. Now, I'm going to ask this, and I don't want you to give me your church answer. I don't want you to give your member answer. I want to really ask you, have you been applying the tools into your life on a daily basis that we've been giving over the last four weeks? Good. That was seven of y'all. Thank you. I feel so much better about my preaching right now. Um, the truth be told is, is that at the end of the day, the responsibility of me as a pastor is to give you the tools so that you can walk this walk. Unfortunately, the church has become more of a place where we're more eager to talk about the blessings than we are about the working. Hmm. It gets quieter every second that I think this thought. It's amazing that church, we get affected or afflicted in church when we don't talk enough about the blessings and we tell you that there's something that you have to do. Nobody wants to be told that they have to do something. Can I get an amen from somebody? But do you understand of the gift that you've already received? See, here was the great thing about God. God says, I love you enough that I'm going to give you a gift, but I'm not going to require you to work for it on the front end. I'm going to give you an assignment once I've given it to you, and this is what I'm asking for you to do. I'm asking you to live your life and walk as a believer. I'm asking you to trust me and trust my word. I'm asking you not to waver, but I need you to understand that this gift that I'm giving has requirements to it. And I know that's not popular teaching in the church anymore because we don't want to we don't want to offend the church anymore because we've got a bunch of hyper offended people in the culture today. That you can't even make a statement about your own thoughts or your own opinions without the world thinking you're wrong. I was talking to somebody the other day and, and somebody asked me uh, months ago, they said, why don't you post anything political on social media? <sighs> because no matter what I say, someone's going to find fault with what comes out of my mouth. It doesn't matter if I back one side or back this side or back no side. If I back no side, pastor, you're, you're just a part of the problem. If I back this side, pastor, you're just a part of the problem. If I back this side, pastor, you're just a part of the problem. So I've learned that the only thing I'm going to proclaim is the gospel. The only thing I'm going to talk about is the word of God. I don't, I, listen, you want to be political, that's your choice. But let me help you with something so that we can get into this space this morning. Nothing you do makes God change his mind. He is God. And the Bible says that God appoints kings and magistrates. So let me help you with this real quick. Before you get offended in your walk, the next 27, 26, 25, 24, 23 days, however many days we are till the election, if, if you are going to live in defense, let me help you with something. If you're going to live on politics, take your Bible, walk out in the street, and burn the sucker. Now see, it gets even more quiet now. I got an itch on my backside that's not healthy right now because I, I am I'm having a hard time as a pastor in this moment because we go, Pastor, you've been fear, you've been preaching fear not. And how many people are still fearing because they are conforming to the world and they have not conformed to their word yet? I'm gonna be real honest with you. I'm almost at the point where I don't want to vote this year. Because here's what we've done for years. Here it comes, ready? Well, I chose the lesser of two evils. So you're still choosing evil. You're still choosing. Oh, well, 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 you know, I like this person better because, you know, I've always been affiliated. What happened to the affiliation with the word of God? What happened to the affiliation with the promises of God? What happened to the affiliation of God says do it this way? Well, no, I want, I'm, I'm a Democrat. I'm a Republican. I'm a Libertarian. I'm this. How about you be saved? How about you be delivered? How about you be set free? It says not to be conformed to this world. 
Not to be conformed to this world, but be ye what? Transformed. Transformed. By what? By, by what? Come on, church. By the renewing of your mind. How do you renew your mind? Well, Pastor, I'm going to watch the news and get a bunch of information. Half it's lies anyway. Can I just say this to you real quick as a sidebar? Everybody in this room, I don't care whether you're Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, I don't care if rips. I don't care if you're voting for Kanye. <laughs> Let me say this to you real fast. None of it is found in here. None of it is found in this book. So if you want to get on the high horse of your political beliefs, understand that you might have to set down your godly ones to walk in it. Sidebar. That wasn't even in the notes. That was a freebie this morning. Because here's the truth of it. As a pastor, as a believer in the gospel, as a believer in Christ, I have this immense desire to see you walk in the things of God, not the things of this world. And I feel like there is warfare right now in the earth. There is a tearing in the earth, a fight between heaven and hell of which one who's going to take hold. And I can feel the pressure of it. I can see the immense distraction of it. I can see the separation of it. I have watched people who said they love God. They love this house. They worship God. They love this church family. But I've watched them leave this church because certain things weren't said a certain way or certain opinions weren't agreed upon. Listen, there are people in this room that do not agree with me politically, but it does not mean that I do not love you with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength the same way I love God because to love God is to love people. And if I love God with all my heart, mind, and soul, and strength. It doesn't matter what you think. It matters that that love is on the inside of me. And I should have a desire to love you with that love, regardless of your opinions. Can I just say this to you as a pastor, as a person who declares the gospel each and every week? Stop letting your thought life destroy relationships. And let me say this to you. Stop putting your ignorant statements on Facebook. You look dumb. Just stop it. Nobody cares. Tell me, next time you want to post something stupid, look at it and read it and then ask yourself this question. Would God say that? If you can't get an emphatic amen, erase it, delete it. I get it. Sometimes we get mad and we want to write something. We want to write something. We want to write something. Write something. I'm going to tell the world. I'm going to tell the world how angry I am. And then nobody likes your stupid comments. Then you get offended because nobody liked your comments. Nobody likes me. Because God didn't like it. Because you didn't weigh it out. You know that statement says the pen is mightier than the sword? It's only mightier when you stop carrying it. I'll let that sit for just a second. Instead of you telling the world what you think, why don't you tell the world what he's already declared? I challenge you. And I've been challenging y'all for months on this foolishness. And nobody's taken, a few of y'all have taken me up on it so far. Instead of you posting what you feel or what you think, put a scripture down. Watch how many people argue with you then. It's so much fun to do. You put a scripture down, but it's like, oh, praise the Lord. Look, that I amen. That's a great. People that, people that disregarded you and cut you off, all of a sudden they like your post now. Because they can't argue with the word of God, but they can argue with your opinions all day long. Okay. So we've been in this series called Fear Not. And I've been really believing that we needed to break the spirit of fear, not just because of the pandemic, not just because of the culture issues, not because of the, the division in the, in, in the culture, not because of the protests or the riots or this or that. No, I, I'm dealing with it because it's an element that has found a thread with inside not just the world, but it has found its way into the church. Yeah. And the only reason it's found its way into the church is because we've ignored what the word has been telling us all along. Do you understand that to fear 
is to not walk by faith. And, and I, I'm going to say this to you. Well, Pastor, it's okay if you fear every once in a while. Show me in the Bible where it says that. Can't find it. Doesn't exist. Show me. It's okay to be fearful. And it says be in fear of the Lord, but that is an awe and trembling of the majesty of who he is. But it doesn't say that it's okay to have fear because fear is the opposite of faith. So you can't put light where there's dark. Therefore, you can't have fear where there's faith. And so, but what we've done is we've made it okay to be afraid because truth be told is that we are a people who have problems more than we have promises. Mm -hmm. What would you do tomorrow if the church shut down? How big would your faith be? Where would your walk be? Where would we go as believers? Well, well, I don't know what to do now. They, they, they close the doors of the church. I, I guess I'm not going to serve God anymore. Nobody's going to tell me how to do it. And if nobody tells me how to do it, what am I going to do? Because this is what we're doing now. We're not growing the church anymore. We're just maintaining the church. Well, I hope you come back next week. We'll give you another good scripture and we'll send you on your way. Hope you make it. Yay. As opposed to us becoming what God's purposed us to be becoming everything and, and i'm going to say this to you and I, I've, I've been talking with people and i've been watching some things and i've been hearing some things and and i'm going to say this to you and and maybe you might not like me when i say this and you might get up and walk out of the door and know it's not political but god's kind of tired of our excuses you either believe this thing or you close it up and don't. There is no, I believe, a part of it. But you know, I'm really questioning this part of it. And you know, I'm, an, I'm, a, I'm a New Testament believer. I'm not, I'm not an Old Testament. Well, let me help you with something. If you're not Old Testament, then you're killing my grandparents. You're killing every person that has paved the way to this moment. Because we'd rather be under grace then still walk with repentance. Salvation does not come by grace. It comes because of grace. But it comes by salvation. It comes by repentance. But we don't teach this anymore. And so the church is living in this moment. And I've been dealing with this. God, why is it that the church has fear in it? Why is it that we can stand on a Sunday and great are you, Lord? It's your breath in my lungs. Oh, God, man, this is an amazing moment. But yet Monday comes and a report comes across the news. And oh, God, let's go hide in a corner. It's my fear in my bones. So I'll hide in the back. And I'll cry out my eyes. It's my fear in my bones. Oh, wait, can I get back to Sunday? I need Sunday. Why do you need Sunday? Because I can need somebody to tell me I'm going to be okay. But yet you carry the word of God and you haven't read it yet. And you haven't let it settle into your bones yet. You haven't let the word become the marrow of your bones. You've just let it soothe the ache of the bone rather than get to the meat of the bone. And allow life to breathe on it. And so I'm going, God, why, why is there fear? And he says, because first of all, they think fear is of me and it's not. So the first week we dealt with fear not, and, and we dealt with that scripture in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. And this is not popular preaching. But if fear lives in you, you need to find out where you put God down. Right. Right. Yep. Pastor, how can you say it that strongly? Have you ever read your Bible? Jesus said a lot of stuff that was really tough. I don't want to eat that. You need to eat it. 
Because if fear is in you, you've put God down somewhere. Because you have walked away from his promises in your life. And you've allowed fear to overtake you. Somebody asked me today, are you afraid of coronavirus? First of all, I already got it. So when people come around me and go, I got corona. I'm like, praise the Lord, I got the antibodies. I'm good. It's funny to me on a Sunday because the people who haven't had corona, they dip on Sundays. They run out the door. All of us that have already had it, we're like, thank God. We can take it off now, right? Okay, so I, I, I get it. You go anywhere. You, I was talking to somebody this week. I hate, I get it. We, we, it's all a bunch of stuff. I don't wear a mask on a Sunday morning. I don't wear a mask when I go into stores because I'm afraid. I wear a mask because I'm respectful at the moments that I'm dealing with. But let me say this to you. That mask does not govern my fear. Do you understand what I'm telling you? I can't wait to take that sucker off my face. I look forward to it. Okay. But we had to deal with the first week that God has not given you the spirit of fear. In other words, if you have fear, then you've put God down somewhere. And you've picked up the spirit of fear. The spirit of light and love and, dark and, and healing and joy and peace and salvation can't dwell where the spirit of fear also dwells as well. That's a double-minded man. The Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all their ways. Okay, that's sidebar. So we dealt with the first week. We dealt with exposing fear. Then the second week, I started giving you tools. The first tool was seek God. And I started going, God, this is just dumb stuff. We should all know this by now. And he goes, yeah, but they don't do it. And he's in this world. He said to me, he said, but Brian, sometimes you don't either. Oh, you didn't want to hear that one, did you? No, pastor, you seek God all the time. I do. At least I think I do. And then things happen. And then something gets me off. And God goes, hey, did you forget about me over here? And there's a long trek back that I got to walk through to get back to where I was. But he says, I need you to seek me. Why? Because Psalms 34, 4 says it like this. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from what? From how many of them? So that means that when I seek God, all of my fears go. It says there, it says, I sought the Lord. He heard me. Isn't that great to know that when you seek him, he hears you? Ah, that's a great thought right there. I'm seeking him. He's not listening. He's not. Oh, he heard you. He's just waiting for you to stop whining. Because you can't whine and growl like a lion at the same time. But the Bible says the righteous are bold as lions. And say the righteous are whimpering as little weenie kittens. I'm trying to be nice. Because I don't like cats. Pray for me. Amen. Don't call me out. Just pray. He says, I sought the Lord. He heard me and delivered me from all my fears. So I said, the first step, we, God, we got to start seeking you again. We got to stop running to you when there's a problem and live a lifestyle of seeking God. Yeah. Daily seeking God, even when there's nothing broken. Come on, work with me a second. How many of y'all are really good at seeking God when it breaks? Yeah. Oh, God, what am I going to do? Lord, help me. But when everything's fine, you're like, good, God, we're good. You can't only grab a hold of God when there's problems. Seeking is a lifestyle. It is not a problem solver. He says, seek him. And then the sec- in the third week, we got to the second tool that said, trust him. Trust God. Isaiah chapter 12, verse 2 says, behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and what? Not be afraid. I will trust and not be afraid for, yea, the Lord is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. I love how this thing in us, because here's what it is. We can seek God when there's a problem, but do we really trust him to be the God that he says he would be? Hmm. And, and here's the thing is, in the church, we, we always want to say, yes, pastor, I, be- I yes, pastor, I trust him. Then why do you tell everybody else your problems instead of him? Okay, 
Somebody said to me, Pastor, I just really need to have your opinion on this or your thoughts on this. Have you prayed about it yet? Well, no, I haven't prayed about it yet. Then, then what, what are you doing? Why do you think I have a better answer than he has? Why, who do you think I go to? That old song, I go to the rock. I go to the rock of my salvation. I go to the stone that the builder rejected. Why, why is that song so deep? In, because I've realized that not even my grandparents or my mama got a better answer than God has. And I did say God. I know that's improper, but that's how I felt about it. So many times we go to the world to give us answers. We, we, we choose Facebook, social media over our word. We choose social media over our prayer time. And we go, God, why am I afraid? It's because you are trusting the world more than you're trusting God. I know there's riots in the streets. I know there's racial division out there. I know. But also what I do know also is that God is a God of deliverance. God is a God of freedom. God is a God of liberty. God is a God of restoration. God is a God of healing. God is a God of joy and of peace. And if I hold on to him then I don't have to worry. Yes, you do have to worry. No, I don't because I am not conformed to this world. I am not bound to the laws of this world. I am bound to the word of God and the eternity that I have in him. And that's where I'm going to rest. Well, if you don't say it this way, then you're not going to be received. Then don't receive me because you're going to have to reject God. I would have to reject God to conform to the world. Trust God. Do you really trust him? No, I mean really, really trust him. Not just trust him when you feel good, but do you really, really trust him? Somebody said to me years ago, I said, Pastor, you use God as a crutch. You doggone right I do. I lean on him every day of my life because without that crutch, I got a nasty limp. Because my flesh is beat up. My body is struggling. But when I lean on him, I get strength I never had. The things of this world fade away because I'm holding on to something that's bigger than I am. You doggone right, he's my crutch. And without him, I can't move forward. So I said, we got to seek God. We need to seek God daily. We need to trust him. What does his word say? If you can say you trust God, but you don't know what his word says, you don't trust him yet. Because your trust is based on an opinion rather than truth. You need to know what this word says that he'll do for you. And then trust that to be truth. Trust him. And then last week I gave you the third one that was declare God. And I talked to you about how the spirit of God, the breath of God was on the inside of you. And that what you breathe out is what you breathe life to. And so Job chapter 33 verse 4 says, The spirit of God has made me and the breath of the almighty gives me life. And if the breath of the almighty gives you life, then everything that comes out of your mouth either brings death or life, or the Bible declares there's life and death in the power of your tongue. Once you've started to seek God, once you've started to trust God, declaring God is very easy. People ask me all the time, how do you just say God's going to do it all the time? Because I seek and trust constantly. I seek and trust constantly. I don't waver from those two things. So it's easy for me to declare the word of God and not just the church hyperbole, not just the cliche scriptures that all of us know. Well, I just quote John three sixteen every day. We all know that. But what about finding other words in there that declare the strength of God that, that maybe you didn't know because you sought it out and you trusted it. Therefore, it became a part of you because whatever's in you will eventually come out. Anybody ever here, anybody ever in this room ever said things out of fear? Uh-huh. Could you imagine a lifestyle that sought God and trusted God? What you would say when fear crept in. I never said that fear wouldn't show up, but God's given you the ability to attack fear, confront fear, and destroy it. Yeah. 
He's given you the power, the dunamis on the inside of you. He's given you the ability to overtake that thing. But we say, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. Like we get calls. I say it every week. We get calls every day, every school day. Somebody in your school got corona. What are you going to do, pastor? Send my child back to school tomorrow. How? Because I prayed over them last night. But what if they get it? God will deliver them from it. The Bible says no plague, no, no death plague shall come nigh my dwelling. I'm good. But pastor, that's, that's stupid faith. You're right. I got stupid faith. Amen. Blind, dumb, ignorant faith. Because I trust God bigger than the boogeyman. It's like when your kids have a problem and they look at the closet and it's a dark closet. They're like, oh, closet. And you're like, what is wrong with you? You open up the closet. You go in the closet. My wife goes in the closet and scares them. Like, stop it, babe. Was it one night I hear, I come home, my daughter, my wife, my daughter thought something, you know, in the closet. Tip goes in the closet and hides out. Oh, Jesus. I said, babe, you're making this tough. She said, what'd you do? She goes, I waited and I started banging on the inside of the closet. I came on. I'm like, babe, seriously, like, come on. Like, I got to put them to bed every night. No, your mom's not in the closet. She's in bed. Leave her alone. Okay. We're walking into the most fearful month or fearful celebration of the year. Oh, here it goes. Here he comes. Here he comes. Pastor about to take away your Halloween. Yep. Why? Why? What is it in us that has a desire to be scared? Well, let me put ghouls and goblins in my front yard. Let me put tombstones of death in my... Let me put witches having a seance around a tree like somebody in my neighborhood did to both of their trees. They're holding hands. And I'm like, ha, ah, ha, there's a, there's a 14-foot demon in one person's yard. Spirits hanging in trees, swinging in the wind. Listen, I pray another storm comes and just wipes it all out. And here's my thing. Here, watch this, watch. Here's, here's my problem with this. Watch this, watch this, watch. And we wonder why our kids are afraid of the dark. I don't know. They're being stupid. I don't understand why they're so afraid. Because you invited that spirit up in your house. You play with it in your front yard. And then you go, ha, ha, it's funny. Okay, watch this. If that demon that you put in your front yard showed up on the inside of your house in the middle of the night, I guarantee you wouldn't be going, ha, ha, look, it's cute. Oh, come on, let me hold it. Let me hold it. I just want to hold it. And you'd be like, nope, got to go calling me pastor there's a demon in my house you should have put him in your front yard okay there's a vein in us that says it's okay to be afraid and i can't find it in scripture anywhere i mean i could show you some stuff in the word that make you freak out but at some point we've got to decide that if we seek god trust god and declare god that we've got to literally eliminate fear in our existence and if you see that there's a threat of it why entertain it because now you have to seek that trust that and declare that But after you expose fear, after we begin to seek God, after we trust God and begin to declare God, then it's time to rest in God. Rest in God. Every time there's been a storm that's come, I don't freak out. Now, Pastor Dylan, he freaks out. <laughs> Pastor Dylan's like, it's a storm. We're going to die? He's from California. He don't know. Right? So he don't, he said, Pastor, Pastor, it's pointed right at us. Do I need to move my family? What are we going to do? Oh, God. Oh, God. And I'm like, bro, just breathe. If I'm not up and running, don't run. You're fine. You're going to be fine. Pastor, Pastor, what are we going to do? Dylan, take a deep breath. But I got a new baby. And, and, and the kid, the power going out. And I'm, oh, God, what are we going to Breathe. Okay, I get it. I get, I get it. But you got to find rest. You, you got to find rest. Nothing happens in my life without God's approval. 
<gasps> watch that. Watch that. Do you saw how straight face y'all got when I said that? Yeah. What you mean? God, so God approved that to happen in my life? No, you put yourself in the wrong place. God didn't approve that to happen in your life. You were in the wrong place. See, it's amazing when we go through a bad hardship, we blame God for us being in the hardship. Never thought about that we put ourselves in the place to be in a bad hardship. Well, God let me do it. No, bro, you disregarded God and walked your happy behind up in that thing. And now you're mad because God's not in that thing with you. Now you got to turn around and walk back to him. Well, God quit on me. No, he didn't. He's still there. You rejected him. But I'm afraid. Okay, so then turn to him. Hey, God, okay, change me. But now we got to find some rest because there is no rest in the culture today. Come on, work with me for a second. There's no rest. There's no rest. Do y'all think that the enemy is trying to disrupt your rest? He's trying to disrupt your peace. He's trying to disrupt your joy. He said, daggummit, I can't get them here. I can't get them there, but I'll get them in their rest. How many of y'all have insomnia? You have a hard time going to bed at night. I'm raising my hand on that one. My wife tells me, you stay up all night. It's hard to go to sleep at night. I found the key years ago to fixing insomnia. And no, it's not more melatonin. Although those gummies for kids work like magic. It's better than Dimetap or Benadryl for your children. Amen. Okay. Y'all don't judge me. Don't judge me. Okay. Um, we, we jokingly in our house call it night-night candy. Amen. <laughs> Go with God. Dad, I don't know why I'm tired. I do. Amen. Okay. But I found the key. <laughs> oh, we're so, getting, we're so getting emails today. Baby, I'll let you answer them all. Amen. It's your fault. Amen. Okay. Hmm. Uh, I'm so lost in my sermon now, it's not even funny. All right, let, grab your hand. Let's pray. Okay, we'll go home. Okay. Um, the truth be told is, is that I found the scripture that dealt with my insomnia. It says, Bless the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sitteth at the seat of the scornful. But on the law of the Lord does he meditate when? Both day and night. Now watch this. Have you ever read your Bible at night and fallen asleep? And when you fell asleep, you feel like you failed God because you fell asleep while you were reading the word. And you wake up and you're like, God, I'm so sorry. I don't know what happened. I was reading and all of a sudden it's like, okay, can I help you with something? That is the rest of God. Because here's what you did. You traded your thoughts for his words. And at that moment, rest came upon you. Did you know the Bible says that he'll give you what the word calls sweet sleep? You ever had sweet sleep? Y'all know that's that comatose Thanksgiving meal sleep. Y'all know what I'm talking about? That's that one where like you're awake one moment, and you're, you're straight up snoring, and you didn't even know you could snore. That kind of rest. That kind of like, I don't have any bad dreams. Like, life is just good. I'm going to sleep. And he says, listen, on the law of the Lord, does he meditate both when? Day and night. You know when the biggest level of trust in your life with God is? When you're sleeping. Do you want to know why? Because you have zero control of what happens next. Zero. You want to talk about faith? Go to sleep. Because you got to trust that by tomorrow morning, this mortal body is still going to function the way God created it. And you're going to have breath of life and you're going to wake up in the morning. So in other words, you're going to bed going, hey God, I'm yours. And I've learned that when I'm, when I'm struggling with I can't go to sleep, if I'll open up my Bible, it lasts literally 15 minutes. Pastor, you're just, you were just tired and you didn't know it. No, 
I believe that the word of God brought rest to my body. And I found the rest in him. God's got a plan of rest for you, but we got to take a hold of it. You know, when you go to the doctor and the doctor says you need rest. And how many of us listen to that, right? Like I've thought about it after I had my heart surgery. I came back really quick to the pulpit. I probably should have taken a couple more weeks off, but I didn't. Had my gallbladder out. I was gone one Sunday. I was back the next. Eh, maybe I should have taken a little bit extra time and a little rest. Pastor, we need you back in the pulpit. Yeah, but I needed some rest. There's a thing I'm dealing with right now called sympathy pains. You know what that is? That's where my body still thinks there's a gallbladder, but it's not there. So I get these weird funky pains like I still have a gallbladder. And I'm like, what is that? I call the doctor and I'm like, what am I? Did y'all, did y'all, did, are y'all playing a joke? Did y'all cut me open but not take the gallbladder with you? And he's like, no, your body does that. And I'm like, are you serious? He's like, yeah, your body's still wondering where that organ went. And I'm like, that's not funny. I didn't, I didn't sign up for that. But sometimes we have, to, we have to decide to get rest. Sometimes you need to put the work down, put the things down, put the stuff down. All this work you're doing is not going to solve everything. Sit your butt down and rest. My wife is a go, 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 go sometimes. I'm like a chill, 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 chill a lot of times. When I'm finally home, I want to sit on the couch and watch some TV, kick some football on, whatever it is. I don't I want to watch a movie. I just want to chill. And she's like, we got to do lunch. We got to clean the house. We got to do And I'm like, sit down. Can I get an amen from somebody in the room? Come on, work with me for a second. And it doesn't mean that I don't help. It doesn't mean that I don't clean the house. It doesn't mean that I don't do laundry. It doesn't mean that I do all these things right, baby. Amen. I just want to make sure. Just trying to get my brownie points this morning. Okay, so. I, I, know, I know that there are things that have to be done, but listen, me knocking out 17 loads of laundry because there's six of us in the house on one afternoon, there's still going to be laundry tomorrow. Can we just take a minute to breathe and relax? Tomorrow has enough worries for itself, but it's going to be stacked up. Baby, it's already stacked up. There's 17 loads that need to be done. It's already stacked up. We're going to get to it. No, we're not. If we don't get it to it today, it's never going to get done. Baby, please, Lord Jesus, help us. I'm not saying she does that all the time, but come on, we all have those moments. We all have those moments where we, anxiety, grief, I can't breathe. Oh, God, what are we going to do? And God says, shut up and rest in me. If, if you can't find rest in him, then he's not good enough for you. Because God says, if you can't find rest in me, then what am I good for? Rest. Put your weariness down. Put your struggles down. Put your hardships down. Put your infirmities down. Put your issues down. Put your kids down and just rest. I'm learning how to do this. Let me, let me help you out with something real quick. For years, I've worked seven days a week. There's no two people in this room that can attest more than that than Kirk and my wife. Well, my kids know it too, but for years, I've worked seven days a week nonstop. Nonstop. I mean, up hour, all hours of the night, like I just work, 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 work. Now it's like, nah, I'm good. I'm going to take this day off. And it freaks everybody out. They're like, are you, are you serious? Are you, are you okay? I, I tell people all the time, I said, once you've had an issue here, because <laughs> I had an issue here, not with my emotional heart, but with my physical heart, it makes you look at life a lot differently. And I realize that if I'm not rested, I'm not good to do what I'm called to do. And if I'm not rested, I'm not hearing from God. I'm hearing the opinions of man. 
And if I'm not rested, I can't love my wife the way she needs to be loved. And if I'm not rested, I can't love my children the way they need to be loved. And if I can't rest, then I can't love you the way you need to be loved and pastor you the way you need to be pastored. And I can't hear from God as the direction of this house. Then I make my own direction and I walk the church into struggle rather than to the promised land. See, what I'm saying is, is that rest gives you the ability to conquer what's in front of you and also to complete more things than you could possible because he gives you the strength in rest. See, but you have to admit that you're weak to find rest. Because the Bible says in your weakness, he's made strong. So if you're always trying to be strong, then what is he in your life? If you're always strong, then maybe you're not letting him be strong. And if you're strong all the time, then maybe you're making him weak in your existence. God says, well, I need you to come to me when you're weary. I need you to come to me when you need rest and fall down and just find rest. Find that sweet sleep that I promised you. And when you find that thing, you're going to find strength. The word rest is defined as this, to refresh oneself as by sleeping, lying down, or relaxing. Relaxing, I like that word. To relieve weariness by cessation of exertion or labor. To relieve weariness. That's rest. Rest is that, is that place that you find peace once you seek God, trust God, and declare God. So let me give you this scripture real quick. I'm not going to sit here long today because I think I've already given you a chunk. But let me give you just a little bit more. Psalm 23, verse 4. You ready for this? Here it comes. Here it comes. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they come for me. I want to stop right there. There's a whole bunch of scripture before and after that that would make you run around the building. But I just want to deal with this one context of scripture. I'm not taking it out of context, but I want to deal with this one piece of me. Pastor, I've heard this before. I've heard this before. Then why are you still stuck in the valley? Pastor, I've heard this before. I've heard this before. I know this scripture. I I can say this scripture. I know Psalms 23, verse 4. Then why are you afraid of evil things? Because it says right here, it can't be. Look at this scripture real quick. Let's just deal with the first part. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Even though I walk through what? The valley. Isn't that great to know that God never promised you mountaintops all the time? But I thought once I got saved, it was going to be pretty tiptoe through the tools. I was going to get my own theme song. It was going to be perfect. It was going to be like, ah, it's going to be amazing. I was going to elevate from my problems to the promised land. And I was going to stay there forever, just me and God. God goes, no, no, no. He says, yea, though I walk through the valley. God never promised there would be no valleys. For some reason, we tend to think that God eliminates valleys. No, can I just be honest with you? God loves valleys. He loves your valleys. Why does he want us to have valleys? Because valleys are what strengthen and challenge us. Valleys are what build us and build our walk with him. Valleys are what deepen our love for him. Valleys are godly places. The only reason you have a problem with a valley is because you didn't read the rest of the scripture. And this is what we do. We read portions of scripture and then we go, God, where did you go? And you go, did you read the next part? He says, you're going to go through valleys. We're in, a, we're in a cultural valley right now. And it is amazing to me how the church has stopped declaring God in this hour. My God. I'm going to say this to you very boldly. It's on tape. I don't care who hears it. Those who refuse to declare God in this hour, those churches will be closed. I said it. I put it on tape. I said it. Thus saith the Lord, those who do not speak the word of God to its fullness in this hour and, con- and starts to declare the world more than it declares God, those churches will dry up and close because God's not playing anymore. I promise you, I'm not making this junk up as I go. I promise you, God is not on the playing around game anymore. 
You, you don't know the day and hour that you're walking in right now. We got to get some things addressed and fixed because we have played God for a sucker for a long time. God, I'll give you my life. Nope, I'll take my life. God, I'll give you my life. No, I'll take my life. God, I'll give you my life. No, I'll take it back. Stop. No more Indian givers in the church. Valleys are what deepen our love for him. Valleys are godly places. If the God that you serve is truly God on the mountain and God in the valley, can you worship him the same way in both? Well, no, I'm in the valley. I can't worship him. Yeah, but see, the great part about a valley is where you discover greater things about him. If you were always on the mountaintop, you'd get so used to seeing the fullness of him that you'd become unimpressed. No, I wouldn't, Pastor. If I was on the mountain every time, every day, it'd be great. It'd be perfect. It'd just be awesome all the time. But that's the problem is because we, we want to be on the mountaintop seeing the fullness of God all the time. But you can't handle the fullness of God all the time. Yes, I can. When you die, you can. But while you're here, everything that you walk through is so that God can use you as a vessel for his glory. Man, next time you hit the valley, get pumped about the valley. Boy, I like this valley. Man, you want to see my valley? I got a good valley. It's a nice valley. Here's what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to build a house in the valley, though. I'm not going to build a house in the valley. I'm not going to do it. It's not going to do it. Oh, but you know, it's such a bad place. But you know, it's this way your life is. I mean, this is my life. This is my, this is my cross. Show me in the Bible where it says pain and struggle and strife is your cross. See, even though Jesus died on a cross and he paid the price and it was pain and it was suffering, it wasn't the finalization of the promise. The promise was to ascend at the right hand of the Father, but in that promise was to deliver us from the bondage of sin and death. But we see it as pain. God saw it as promise. Next time you get into a valley, stop looking at the pain and start looking at the promise. Why am I here? God, what are you trying to... Not, why, why, God? Why do I have to go through this? God, why? God, what? I'm listening. I'm attentive now. I'm paying attention. You got my attention. I'm watching. I'm listening. I'm looking. Go for it. He said, yeah, though I walk through the valley. We know that there's a mountaintop, but he's with you in the valley. Stop focusing on getting to the mountaintop all the time and embrace the valley you've, he's got you in. Be excited about the valley. Pastor, you mean, you mean you, should, you should be excited when you go through a struggle? Yes. Why? Because my God's bigger than the struggle. And this gives God an opportunity just to show how big he is. Instead of me going, oh, I'm going to do Come on, work with me. I've heard, I know what y'all do. Because I've done it. We get into moments. We whine and complain. Anybody want to join my club? Yeah, anybody want to say, Pastor, I ever do that? Yeah. You whine and complain when it, don't, it doesn't go your way. You want to pick up your toys out the sandbox. I'm going home. I'm done with this foolishness. <laughs> you know, you come on, work with me for a second. No, Pastor. I, when, every time a valley comes, I just lift up my hands and I go to worship. Some of y'all cuss out people in the car. <laughs> Wish you get that middle finger back every once in a while. Amen. I know. They don't do it. Don't do it. It's like the other day I was talking to my son and uh, he, 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 my daughter and my son, they, they're allowed to have this thing called TikTok. Okay. And, and now hold on. Don't judge me yet. Slow your roll. <laughs> Slow down. So we have a rule. You can have TikTok, but there's guidelines to TikTok. If you see it and it's wrong, swipe. You're not looking at that stuff. Right. So the other day I was sitting there talking to him like, I know what you do. What? Because when I'm in the room, watch this. When I'm in the room, oh, 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 oh. 
oh, 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 no, 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 no. Like you're trying to run away from a disease that popped out your phone. But what's amazing to me is when I'm not in the room, I don't hear the hoo, 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 hoo. And my kids just kind of, they're like, oh, dang. Now all the teenagers in the room are frustrated with me right now because I've exposed the game. So I didn't go back and go, I'm taking that away from you. Here's what I told them. I'm choosing to allow you to strengthen your relationship with God through this. This is a valley. You're going to decide whether you get trapped in it or not. I'm giving you the right to make proper decisions as big as. Now, my four, five-year-old comes in, six-year-old comes in. Can I have TikTok? Absolutely not. <laughs> you are not strong enough to swipe yet. Okay. Dad, what is beep? Okay, no, that's not going to work. Okay. So, so here's the truth of it. I, I, I'm using the valley. See, most of us would have run from the valley. Take the phone away. Take the TikTok away. How dare you let them do it? Wait, hey, what do you think they're going to walk into in the world? What do you think about, what, what do you think they say at school? And I'm not just talking about the public schools. I'm talking about the private schools too. Don't think that, well, I sent my kid to private school. You crazy thinking that F-bombs aren't dropping on a Monday morning. No, they go to private school. Nobody cusses at a private school. No, they just praise God all the time. Man, I went to a private school. Trust me when I tell you. No, no, pastor, they're all filled with the Holy Spirit and filled with the love of God on the inside. And everybody, no, some of them teachers cuss too. We're like, no. See, okay, I'm getting off on tangents this morning. The truth be told is, is that I'm having to use an opera, a valley moment to bring a teaching lesson to show them how to deal with what's ahead of them. Don't move it when I'm in the room. This is the same thing we do with God. We act like we're holy when God's in the room. But when God's not in the room, we just keep looking. And we conform ourselves to what's in front of us rather than what he's calling us to. Instead of saying, you know what? That's not of God. I've given my children the opportunity to decide how far they're willing to go, how far they're willing to grow, and whether or not that's for them or it's against them. Why? Because I need them to have the understanding that when I'm dead, when I'm gone, when I'm out of this life, you can't call daddy to come tell you what's wrong. You're going to have to consult the father on this one and let the spirit of God speak to you and let him tell you, enough is enough. That's not of me. I need you to let that go and you know not like my parenting skills that's okay I don't like yours neither okay amen I do I love yours I'm just kidding today uh, stop focusing on the mountaintop stop trying to get the mountaintop all the time get excited about your valleys I like valleys oh valleys valleys build that strength in you valleys build that courage on the inside of you I love what James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4 says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider an opportunity for great joy. For you know when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Maybe, just maybe, the reason you haven't gotten the things you want yet is because you haven't gotten joy in the middle of your valley. Therefore, your faith hasn't been allowed to be tested. Therefore, your endurance cannot grow. Therefore, you die in the valley rather than grow in the valley. And he says, so let it grow because when your endurance is fully developed, then you'll be perfect and complete, needing nothing. You've got to get excited about valleys. Why is it that we only rejoice when we get to the top of the mountain? We've got to start acting like God is the God of the valley, not just the God of the mountaintop. 
Romans chapter 5, verse 3 through 5 says it this way. When we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. For we know that they help us develop endurance. Just in case you thought I was making up the first scripture, let me give you another one. And verse 4 says, and endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens confident of hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us. Because God has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Do you see how this thing starts to work? Let me say it to you one more time. We can rejoice. Now watch this. What does rejoicing look like? Rejoicing does not look like this. Pastor, I'm rejoicing. Can you please tell your face that your spirit man's rejoicing because the user will reflect on the outside? My wife came in the room and she goes, I was reading the other day. I was reading the other day. If you just smile, your day will be better. Just look at his dude and go, Judas, just smile. Judas, smile. Judas, like, Mom, please stop. You know how kids get weird when your parents start telling you to do stuff that's like outside of their wheelhouse. And he's like, just smile. And she's like, he's like, he's playing with her and just messing with her. But the truth be told is that how can I demonstrate the joy of God, the joy of the Lord in my, in, in my life? Well, I'm not going to run around screaming down the street. Ah, that's going to freak people out. But if you let your face tell the world that you're happy, they might want what you got. Come on, work with me for a second. I had somebody leave the church years ago because I didn't smile at them. My God, help us. I'm leaving the church. My pastor didn't smile at me. What if I was in a, can you pray for me? Maybe I had a moment. Like, come on. No, nope, pastor didn't smile. I'm leaving the church. He didn't, he doesn't love me. He didn't smile at me. But then I realized that a smile opens up a doorway of better relationship than a straight face. And although I was, couldn't change him leaving, it changed me because I allowed God to speak to me through it. And he said, Brian, I need you to work on that. And I need you to make sure that when you're around people, you put a smile on your face because it opens up the door. It, it, it opens up that space. It says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for, when, for we know that they help us develop endurance and endurance develops strength of character. Hello. See, if I take the phone from your kids, take TikTok from your kids, tell them they can't have it. Nope. I'm going to teach them. I'm going to, watch this, I'm going to be a parent, not a dictator. I'm going to teach my kids. The Bible doesn't say dictate to your kids. It says raise your kids. Raise your kids. Raise them. Teach them. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confidence, our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead us to disappointment. Come on, work with me for a second. All these things start to work together. But he says, yea, though I walk through the what? The valley of what? So there's no death. It's just what you made it up. Can I just say this to you? What if your valley was actually your mountaintop? You just called it something different. Uh-oh. Because the only reason you see it as a valley is because you didn't put God in the valley yet. Because it only becomes a problem when he's not next to you in it. But when he's next to you in it, you go, this is not so bad. I can do this because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I got this. I can move through this. But, but when we get into these things, oh, I'm in a valley. Oh, God, it's going to kill me. You go to the doctor. The doctor gives you an unfair report. I'm going to die. Shut up. Can I just say this to you? I believe this with all my heart. I believe that more people die on the earth because of what they speak rather than the disease they have. Because if I run around every day going, I'm sick, 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 guess what you're going to become? Because what you believe, you become. Why would I speak that over my life? So I don't go around. So when, 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 when I had corona, people were like, you got corona? Oh, God, Pastor, is it bad? No, it actually wasn't that bad at all. 
I laid in the bed. I prayed. I sought God. I said, God, you actually let me have corona. You obviously want to talk to me because you're going to make me lay in this bed for 10 days. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Okay, let's talk. But man, I got some crazy insight over those 10 days from him. I didn't see it as a problem. I didn't see it as death. Well, pastor, you could have died. You're right. I could have. But I also know that to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. So really, what is death? Okay. He says, I will fear not. He says, he says, you know, I walk through the valley of shadow of death, shadow of death, shadow of death. Shadow. If Jesus died to take away the sting of death, then what is death now? Nothing. It's just what we make it up to be. It's an imagination. It's, it's a thought process. Come on, work with us. So sometimes we look at things and go, and you've made a bigger thing than it is. He goes on in that same verse. He says, but I will fear Come on, I'll fear. Come on, I'll fear. I'm trying to get you there. Put the words up there for me. I'll fear what? Oh, now I'm going to make you keep saying it till you believe it. I'll fear what? For what? For you are what? You're with me. How many of y'all ever fear evil? Here it comes. Y'all know how I am about the word. I read it line upon line, word upon line, word upon word, precept upon precept. I will fear no evil for what? So if he's not with me, what are you going to do? Fear evil. I'm just showing you. It's written. It's plain English. I can give you seven different translations. It all says the same doggone thing. I will fear no evil. For Next time fear creeps in, just scream that out loud. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Watch how fast that fear runs away. It's like, you got to go. Because the enemy cannot live where the word is declared. But you got to understand this. I will fear no evil. Man, I'm telling you, there is an itch in me that wants to go to every neighbor in my house and just destroy everything in their front yard. Because when you pull a neighbor, you're like, oh, what is, oh, it's gross, man. There's like a picture on somebody's window as you're driving into the neighborhood, and it's right over their window, and it's like hands trying to press through, and it's like, help. It's like in blood splattered across the window. What is wrong with you? Here's what I know. I will fear no evil for you are with me. The only reason they can accept evil is because God's not in that house. Swallow that one on your own time. I'm going to move on. Amen. Because I can feel the glares. Don't you take away my Halloween. Don't you rob me of my favorite day of the year. I would love to know what you think about Christmas. Jesus. 2 Timothy, and we did this in the first week. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Fear is the absence of faith, and the absence of faith is the absence of God. Can I slow that one down? Let me read that one a little slower. Fear is the absence of faith, and the absence of faith is the absence of God. I did not say that the the inability to be full grown in your faith is the absence of God. Some of us are still working on our faith. But it says the absence of faith is the absence of God. If you have fear, then you've lost faith. If you've lost faith, where is God? Mm, okay. He goes, Yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, for you are with me. And it goes on in the last part and says, Your rod. And your staff, they come to me, Pastor, how does this have anything to do with rest? Because I had to get to the last part of this message because the first, for, for first two portions were all about the things we've been talking about. Seeking God, trusting God, declaring God. Those are all those moments. But then we get to this last part, and he says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Pastor, what the heck does that mean? 
I'm glad you asked. It means that the fullness of the office of the shepherd begins to function in your existence. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Do you know what a rod and a staff, do you know what they're referring to? So a shepherd's staff in biblical times was a big stick with a hook on the end of it. Okay? The rod was the hook part. The staff was the stick part. This is what I love about God. God loves us enough to rescue us but also has the power and authority to beat down whatever comes against us. And he says, look, all these things, it makes me understand because watch, watch. I'm going to read it to you again so you can kind of understand it. Uh, Let me go back here. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. In other words, I, in the midst of my whatever I'm going through, I have found my way next to the shepherd. I'm next to him. That man carries a big stick. I'm good. You can come. You can throw whatever you want to throw at me. But I know who I stand next to. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. That means I can lay down and find rest because he's over me. And he's got a hook to, 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 to pull me back and a stick to destroy whatever comes against me while I find rest. Listen, if God's rod and staff don't comfort you, you'll never find rest. Because you are not allowing the fullness of his office to take effect in your life. You are allowing the world to come in. Listen, I get it. There's a lot of noise out there. Drown out the noise. Drown out the noise and find your rest in him. How do I get rest? You have to seek. You have to trust. You have to change your vocabulary, Jack. Some of y'all say some really crazy things sometimes. I remember there were years where I would... I, I would say things, and, and I didn't realize that there was that much meat to what I was saying. And my wife would come and say, baby, please don't say that. And I'm like, why? why? I'm just I'm playing. She goes, but baby, I don't want you to say those things. I don't want you to speak those things. Okay, I got it. I won't say those things anymore. And we've walked away from certain things. We don't say certain things. And, and when I was having my heart issues, we weren't walking around going, I'm going to die. Although the doctor gave unfavorable reports. It didn't matter. We're going to get through this. I don't know how, but we're going to get through this. We're going to figure out a way. God's going to deliver us. I don't know how it's going to work, but I trust him. I got to trust him. I don't have any other choice but to trust him and to seek him and to trust him and to declare him and to walk in these things. And now I'm in that place where, hmm, I rest. I rest. How many of y'all right now in this room have struggles? What if I told you the struggle would subside if you would find your rest? If you would just say, here, God. It's like this. Oh, I don't have it on me. Oh, I was going to grab my wallet out of my pocket. That, that thing in your pocket or your purse is a, is a rest stealer. I'm going to say this to you. I got to close right here. But Pastor Ben, come on, or whoever closed me out. Because I got so much more in me I want to throw right now. Can I just say this to you? Money will destroy your rest. But pastor, I need money. No, you need God. And God is the supplier. That's the trust. I find rest even when I'm broke. But pastor, how are you going to? Because I believe, I find myself saying this, you know, our, our mission is to love God and love people here at the church. And, and we use it from that scripture that says, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. But I find myself slipping sometimes and saying, trust the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. 
And then when I started saying that, God started saying, do you understand that trusting me is loving me? There's one dynamic I deal with a lot of times in marital counseling is that trust is the equivalence of the greatest level of love you can share with one another. Because if you cannot trust one another, you cannot love one another. Because love is bound in trust. It is, it is literally integrated in trust. If you say, God, I love you all my heart, mind, soul, and strength, you trust him. If you cannot trust him, you are not loving him. And I find myself, when I say that scripture sometimes, that the word trust wants to come out where the word love is. And I was like, God, I keep screwing up. And God goes, no, you're actually saying it right. Because love is trust. And trust is love. I operate in both. Because if you trust me with everything you are, you're demonstrating how much you love me. You're right now, you're running through the scenarios of your existence, of all the places that struggle exists. And all God says is, can I have it? Can, can, can you just give it to me? But, but, but God, I, I've always had this. I've, I've, you know, this was happening to me when I was a kid. And, and you know, I, I don't want this to happen to my kids. Maybe it's going to happen to your kids because you keep breathing life back into it. Last story. Tiff and I grew up rough. We had some rough things. We did some rough things. We made a lot of mistakes growing up. If you want to know what they are, come ask us later. We might tell you, we might not. But I can tell you, for me, I did a lot of stupid things. That was a season of my life I cursed God. Told him I wanted nothing to do with him. It was a season of my life I begged him to come back because I realized I made a really stupid decision. I went to jail numerous occasions. I lied to, stole from, made so many mistakes. And I remember right before Judah was born, I went into his room one night, and I'm going to try to do this without getting emotional because it always messes with me. I went into Judah's room in our house, first kid, firstborn, never thought I'd be married, much less have kids. And I walked in his room, Tiff was asleep, and I went into his room to pray. And I went, got on the floor in front of his crib, and I just started to seek God. And while I was in that room, I felt something walk in the room, but it was not godly. I felt it. It was tormenting. And at that moment, I began to pray so hard. I grabbed, I grabbed Judah's crib and I just started shaking the thing. And I started declaring, that thing will not touch my children. And I bound that thing. I decreed, declared, I declared the kingdom of God. And I think, left the room. And I remember going to Tiff a day later and I said, listen, I don't know what that was, but I do know this. Judah and our kids will never struggle with the things that we dealt with growing up. She said, how do you know us? Because... That thing came to see us last night. I felt it. I knew it was there. But here's the funny thing. There have been moments in our kids growing up that because we walked through certain things, we breathed life back into those fears and started to place them back on the kids because maybe that was the reason they were going through that. And God God reminded me the day, he said, didn't I take those things from you that night? Don't breathe life into those things. I don't care what you've been through. Don't put those on your kids. Don't. 
Don't be afraid that they're going to have to go. Stop it. Hand that to God. God, this is a thing. It's yours. I'm tired of carrying it. It's been in my pocket for too long. I'm not going to find rest in carrying trash. Here you go, God. It's yours. Or maybe you can't move forward because there's things in your heart that you just haven't given over to God. You, you got to let it go. Not to sound weird and want to sing that song, but you got to let it go. You got to get it out of your system. You got to say, God, I, I'm done. I'm done. Because now it just becomes excuses for poor behavior. It becomes an excuse for you to believe in, live in mediocrity and not fully, comp, you know, fully grab a hold of the word. Now you're just grabbing a hold of opinions and hopefully that scripture will fix me. Rather than, God, I want to get in your word because this word is going to satisfy my soul. How many of you in this room right now? Watch, I don't need you to raise your hand because I know you're in here. There are those of you in this room right now that are carrying things that you've been carrying for a long, 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 long time. There are some of you in this room that are carrying guilt and shame. And you're afraid if somebody might know what you did or what you've been through, they might not love you. And God says, that stuff will disrupt your rest. Give it to me. There are those of you in this room that are in sin right now, and you know it. And you can come to church all you want, but you're still bound to sin. You're tired of carrying it. I'm tired of carrying this. There are those of you in this room that have been called names, said things, people said things about you, and they've, de they've developed on the inside of you. And God's been trying to strip you clear of those words because those words are not his words. And he says, can I just have them? I just want you to find rest in me. Maybe you haven't done it perfect. God didn't say give me perfection. He said give me your life. Maybe it's time that you let go of your struggle so that you can find your rest. Watch this. Everybody stand to your feet. It's a very quiet moment. It's a very solemn moment in this moment. And I need everyone to stay with me for just a moment. Because I feel... My wife and I were talking about this the other day. She is really believing for this at this house. That an anointing of deliverance would flow through this house. God desires to deliver his people. If there is one of you in this room that is bound to anything other than the promises of God, I need you to lift your hand and say, that's me. I don't give you anything. Fear, doubt, worry, confusion. Anything. And, I, and I'm going to say this because I, I, I'm... I, at the detriment of making everyone in this room angry with me. Please put away your spiritual pride. You are not that full grown. And trust me when I tell you as the shepherd of this house, I can see right through you. And I'm begging you as the pastor of this house, I'm trying to take this thing from you so you don't take it out of here. If you're hurt with people, if people have offended you, if you're carrying sins, oughts against other people, if you're carrying struggle on the inside of your body, your mind, your heart, if you are tired of being weighed down with the things of this life, if you're caught up in racism, bigotry, hatred, if any of that stuff exists in you, you got to get rid of it. This is not, oh, if you got some sin in your life, let's come and give it to the altar. No, I'm talking about the junk that we allow to come on us and that we don't get rid of. And then we say, God, show up. And God goes, I can't because your vessel is not holy. It's tainted. I can't dwell there. You won't give me place to dwell in that vessel. 
but I'm, I'm super spiritual, Pastor. I'm, I've been saved my whole life. Well, praise God for you because I'm not that good. I'm tired. You want to know why this world is broken? Because the church is broken. Because we're no different than the world. Oh, God, we praise you, but we'll talk about you on the sidebar. Where's the love? It's not in the church. Therefore, if the love is in the church, then where's God? I'm tired. My heart breaks. God's people who say they're his people won't give up. They keep holding on to things that are not of him and they keep trying to deal with themselves and they just won't understand that they can't make it without him. So I'm going to ask again. If there is anything on the inside of you that has been weighing you down and you're ready to give it up so that you can find the fullness of rest in God please say that's me here's the crazy part God's not mad God's going yes this is the day I've been waiting for you just want to so here's my next step And I'm going to say this to you. There's some of you that still won't raise your hands because you're scared. I ain't scared, Pastor. Yeah, you are. You're scared. You're petrified. You haven't found your boldness yet. Because you're afraid that if you say it's me, someone's going to judge you. And the only judgment I'm worried about is the judgment seat of God. Stop worrying what the people in the room think about you. Be more worried about where you're going to finish this race at. I had to come to the understanding years ago that I'm going to offend people. That's my mission. Because offense brings change. I'm going to offend your flesh. I have to offend your flesh. So you finally deal with it. One more time, that's you in this room and say, Pastor, I got some struggles. I want to lay them down. Now, this is not the same amount of hands that raised just a minute ago, so come on, work with me. I know you're in this room. Keep it up. Keep that right hand up or that left hand up, whatever hand you got. Now, with the same strength that you lifted that one hand, lift the other hand. And surrender that thing. Let it go. You can't change it. You can't fix it. You can release it. Let it go. Watch. I'm watching. I'm waiting to see. It's going to get released in this room in a second. Baby, grab a mic and come here. Let. Come on. Are you? If you're looking at me, I ain't got your answer. 
don't you? I, there's not a dance I can do, not a hand I can lift that's going to take it from you. You got to get rid of it. You got your hands up, let it go. At some point, you got to say enough is enough is enough is enough is enough. I'm tired of crying. I'm tired of being weary. I'm tired of being worn out. I'm tired of not knowing what tomorrow is going to look like. I'm letting it go, God. I can't fix my marriage. I can't fix my kids. I can't fix my job. I can't fix my finances, but I can trust you. I can commit my life. I can surrender me let you have your way with me. I believe this is a moment of deliverance. I believe this is a moment of freedom. I need you to pray for me. Just repeat after me. So whatever you deal with, I'm going to tell you where to put the word. So it's fear, worry, depression, anxiety, addiction, whatever. So I want you to say, I renounce the spirit of, and then you place whatever it is. I'm going to start in a minute, okay? Father, I thank you for everyone here. I thank you for your deliverance. I thank you that you set us free from anything that is bound in us. And so y'all repeat after me, Father, Father, I I renounce the spirit of, spirit of, and then say say it. Say it. Say it again. I renounce. I renounce. The spirit of. Spirit of. Fear, worry, depression, anxiety, addictions must go in the name of Jesus today. Say it again. I renounce. The spirit of. Whatever it is you're dealing with. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I see it. Pastor, it's 12 o'clock. It's time for us to go go and take your stuff with you or we can leave it here when we get to that I renounce the spirit of all y'all go quiet because you get choked right here I'm not saying it I'm not saying it if I say it it's going to leave maybe that's what you need to do get violent with that sucker so for me when I was going through my death stuff my heart stuff it was I renounce the spirit of death and I said it out loud I had never said it out loud. The moment I said it, it because it had to go. Because I spoke life over my situation. Don't go. Well, I'm going to do what Pastor Tiffany says. I renounce the spirit of... No, I renounce the spirit of pornography. I renounce the spirit of abandonment. I renounce the spirit of rejection. I renounce the spirit of an orphan spirit in my life. I renounce the spirit of physical abuse. I renounce the spirit of being lied to, cheated on, whatever it is. Renounce that circle so it leaves you. You can't be healthy until you let it go. Try it one more time. And it can be more than one thing. Yeah. So repeat after me. Father, I renounce the spirit of depression, fear, worry, anxiety, anger. I say it must go now in Jesus' name. I renounce the spirit of depression, anxiety, fear, worry, anger, addiction. It must go in Jesus' name. And Father, fill them with your peace, your joy. Yes, God, yes, God. Take a deep breath. 
Fill them with your peace and joy. And we command those things to go that are not of you, God. In Jesus' name.